Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh. And this is The Rock of Recovery. Today, we are in the detachment book. Uh, The principle is number 12. Read it to us. Detachment means I can enjoy my day. Oh, wow. How long has it been since you enjoyed your day? So we have to purpose to enjoy our day because I don't think the enemy cares what he keeps me tormented about. I can remember days that I was tormented about what I wore, what I ate, where I went. (laughs) I was just tormented. And it was because I was obsessive, and it didn't matter what the enemy threw at me. I could ruin my day. And instead, I was like, you know, I might look at that a little bit, but I am going to enjoy my day. And that's a maturity skill to be able to enjoy my day even when things are really going bad. So let's look at the introduction. Detachment is not abandonment, but a healthy love for me and others. I can make decisions without fear or emotional manipulation. This includes gradual separation and launching of adult children into independent living. If I coddle other adults, it is more likely they will have a life of suffering and codependency. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I cannot um, indulge their suffering and think that it's going to move it. So this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalms 118.24 Detachment is making decisions based upon long-term goals. (coughs) It is done without emotions. It is conscious choice to enjoy the day. A conscious, a conscious, (laughs) can you say that word? Conscience. It's a a good choice. (laughs) Okay, so some unhealthy ways of caring. Number one, rescuing. Number two, coercing. Number three, manipulating. Number four, taking charge of dysfunctional adults. Number five, paying the bills. Number six, making excuses. Number seven, overreacting. Number eight, underreacting. Number nine, walking on eggshells. Number 10, demanding. Number 11, controlling. Hmm. So if I'm rescuing, coercing, manipulating, taking charge of their lives, paying their bills, making excuses, overreacting, underreacting. And of course, I'm going to be doing this because I'm financially invested in their healing and in their well-being. And if they're not, if they're not doing that, then I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be like, but look, I did this, you do that. That's just another form of manipulation. Why don't you just say to them, it's okay if you, you don't, you know, you don't want to pay your bills, but there are consequences. Yeah. You're going to be cold. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't have to walk on eggshells. I don't have to demand. I don't have to control. I can just back up. Yeah. Yeah, and work on me. And work on me not manipulating others, not being sucked in. My husband used to stand beside me, and he used to make a sucking sound like a sweeper while I was on the phone. He'd go, <laughs> and I'd immediately be like, oh, they're sucking me in. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Oh, okay. I feel I'm being sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, they don't usually ask right away. They tell yeah. you all the problems. And of yeah. course, you're the savior. You're the one that's got to fix it. Yeah. Why else are they telling you their problems? And instead, you can be compassionate. You know, I'm really sorry. That's really bad. Like, what'd you do to get yourself there? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's look at some healthy ways of caring. What are some healthy things that I could do in a situation like this? Number one. Choosing what is best for me. Hmm. Number two. Boundaries against immature or abusive. Number three. 
holding others accountable for thefts. Yeah, it's hard to turn in your loved one for stealing from you, but sometimes that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Number four. Calling them out on their lies. Number five. Giving our loved ones direction on where to receive help. Number six. Leaving the decision for recovery in the hand of the one with the substance use disorder. Oh, that's hard to do, isn't it, Josh? Yeah. It's so hard uh, because you're like, okay, this could be the last time I see them. Yes. And 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 you have to finally be okay with that. Yeah. You have to finally realize that if they choose life, that's awesome. But if they choose death, then it, it's on them. And it's so hard to not be second guessing yourself, thinking maybe I should have done this, maybe I could have done that. Well, I'm telling you, if unless you're sticking the needle in their arm, you're right. It's not on you. You're right. They're the ones making those decisions. Yep. And the more we are coddling them, the less likely they're going to learn. Uh, so there needs to be some consequences for their behaviors there. So number seven. Distancing myself with from anyone with active addictive behaviors. Now, active addictive behaviors we've talked about before. We know what those look like. Um, we know what it looks like to have a functional addict that can get up and go to work, and then they're addicted in the evenings and the weekends. Uh, we know what it looks like to have uh, a severe addict that is addicted all the time. They can't stop themselves. They have to have long-term care. It's going to be more than you could ever do for them. Yes. We know what active recovery looks like. Man, they got sponsors. They're going to groups. They're correcting themselves. They're they're doing self-care. They're starting to move forward. They're starting to gain a momentum. They're working on those really loud emotions. They're holding themselves accountable. They're developing disciplines. But passive recovery, uh, they're blame shifting. They, they've not they've not relapsed chemically, but they're blaming others for just little things. Mm-hmm. They're um, uh, manipulating. They're saying you said things you didn't say. They're saying that no one can hold them accountable. They can do what they want to do, and and uh, that you're making too much out of it. And they're they're. They're doing that technique called gaslighting. You don't see what you think you see. (laughs) And so they're passively in recovery. And we we just lost one who we kept correcting and correcting for his passive recovery. And he didn't think he had a problem. Um, And so we're really sad. So you've got to um, listen to those lessons on active versus passive recovery. So number eight, Josh. Protecting my heart by loving them with my head and not my emotions. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it is the wellspring of life in Proverbs 4.23. So it's okay to uh, put a little bit of a protective guard around your heart. You just can't cry every day. Yeah. Uh, when your loved one's in addiction for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, nobody's going to understand that pain. And at some point, you got to say, okay, I'm going to stop crying and I'm going to go live my life. There are other people who do love me, who do need me, who will accept my instructions and my blessings, who won't take advantage of me. And you've got to move your heart to a different direction. Because if you've got five children and one of them's in addiction, you're going to cry over that one child, and there's going to be four children that are crying for you. So I want you to turn from the one that you can't help, and I want you to embrace the four that you can. So right here. The greatest detachment skill to learn is to die to emotions. Ah, wow. 
If I am dead or detached from my emotions, I cannot be manipulated emotionally. I can make the decisions that are rational, planned, thought out, and purposeful. And if I find myself making the wrong decision each time, and I'm the one with the consequence, I'm the one that's sitting there trying to figure out how to pay my bills, then I need to let somebody in my life that's stronger uh, make those decisions with me mm-hmm. so that I'm not making them alone, but I'm actually helping having others hold me accountable, which is part of my recovery. So if you are come out of addiction and you're going back and enabling others, you're going to be in addiction before you know it because the thinking and the behaviors and the patterns and the losing your identity in somebody else's success that taking responsibility for somebody else's problem, you're going to forget to be responsible for your own problems. I'll, I'll do not be an emotional puppet or an easy target for the financial extortion of a person with addictive behaviors. Mm, all addiction behaviors, whether they're drugs, alcohol, gambling, food, workaholics, enabling television games, or other self-indulgent comforting is rooted in an emotional wound or an unmet need. Recovery explores these issues deep within our souls and helps us develop a plan for lasting change. And Josh and I were talking about how people could be sober chemically, they're not using drugs, they're not using alcohol, but man, they've got a lot of inebriation around anger, (laughs) around around self-pity, around depression. They, they're not sober emotionally. So we do have a lesson on emotional sobriety. All addictive behaviors are destructive and cause suffering. So even our emotions can be addictive. So once I get into my little self-pity girl, she can take over and ruin every part of my day. So I've got to realize that joy is my birthright and not to let self-pity come in and tie me up and ruin my day, that my day can be joyful. So now let's look at the heart evaluation. Number one. A callous heart is stuck in pain, refuses change, and stays in a vicious, sick cycle. Wow, a calloused heart, a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart is totally releasing others, working on myself, and producing a free spirit. A surrendered heart. Wow. We're producing a free spirit. What does emancipated heart look like? It is free to enjoy my life, no matter what. Wow. Wow. So if my heart is free, now I can pray. Now I can sing. And I know when I'm working with those in recovery, if they can't pray and they can't sing, they're bound. Yeah. They're stuck. They're stuck. They're stuck in their pain. And so there's something about just singing that gives you movement. So if you're stuck right now in a grief for a loved one, maybe one that's passed, maybe one that's uh, that's still stuck in their addiction, I want you to turn your favorite music on, and I want you to sing. And as you sing, there's going to be movement that you're going to get, that your spirit's going to be lifted so that you can enjoy your day. Yes, you can grieve. You can set that timer for a few minutes. You can grieve as hard as you want to grieve and then get up, shake it off, and enjoy your day. I give you permission. It's okay to enjoy your day when others you love are suffering. And if not, your whole life's going to be bound in that martyr syndrome where you're just suffering and suffering. So enabling is emotional slavery to your loved ones. Learn how learn to find the good in great times of sorrow. When destructive behavior patterns cannot be broken. One, stop. 
Two, acknowledge negative thinking. Three, surrender what cannot be changed. Four, practice quietness inside and pursue contentment. Five, contentment is an emotional developmental skill of maturity which can be which must be intentionally cultivated. Six, this inner peace can give you the strength to change your life. Hmm. So a lot of days when I sat with the Lord, uh, the one thing I want to do before I get up is to get a word that I want to carry with me through the day. And I would say about half the time the word that I want to carry is contentment, that I am just content with what I'm doing that day, with where I'm going, whether it's mowing the grass, whether it's pulling weeds, whether it's doing dishes, whether it's you know, running errands. I want to be content so that I can enjoy my day. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshiped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1, 20 and 21. So he says, naked came I in, uh, naked I'm going to leave. So uh, why not just be content right now? So let's look at a relationship evaluation. If you had done this detachment work, the grieving will stop, and you mm. will be able to enjoy your life. Oh, so if I'm still grieving, I have detachment work to do, right? Yes. Okay, keep going. If you are still lacking your own identity... You might call and enable another to become irresponsible, to attempt to find your completeness in yet another person. Also, as you release dysfunctional relationships, you may inadvertently shift your attention into a semi-healthy relationship and start trying to manipulate a different person. <laughs> Think about your target. <laughs> yeah. Okay, keep going. Think about a functional relationship you are focusing on and ask yourself some questions. Number one. How do you walk on eggshells? How much? How much do yeah, you walk on eggshells? Am yes. I walking on eggshells? Is this a relationship? Because I think healthy relationships, I'm just free to be me. I don't have to hide parts of me. I don't have to pretend. I can just rattle and say what I think and know that it's going to land in a good, safe place. Number two. How, how often is communication stifled? Stifled. Stifled with eye rolling, sighing, grumping, or growling. Yeah. If you're living with a grumpy person that doesn't ever want you to communicate, you're not going to be free to have a healthy relationship. Number three. How much anger or bullying do you tolerate? Hmm. Number four. How much do you fear this person? Number five. How much do you enjoy this person? Oh, that's a good question. Number six. How much shared power is there in the relationship? Number seven. Are your emotional needs being met? Yeah. Can you even verbalize them? Number eight. How much do you your how much do your cry or, or grief for the person you know they could be? Hmm. Number nine. Compared to five years ago, has this person become stronger or closer to you, or have they withdrawn and regressed emotionally? Number ten. How long have you tried to repair this person, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, or financially? Number eleven. Do you feel safe, cared for, protected, or cherished? Number twelve. What costs are you willing to pay to continue this relationship? Wow. Some relationships uh, cost you a lot, don't they? Yeah. Number 13. How often does this person pout, sulk, or become moody and broody if you confront them? Number 14. How much work are you doing in this relationship? Number 15. Is this person emotionally available to you? Are they approachable? Number 16. Is this a healthy, trusting, 
transparent relationship? Yeah. I don't think we know how to do healthy relationships, do we? No. <laughs> I just don't think we know how to do it. So if this is the um if this is the guidelines, then I wanna I may not I may be married to somebody for decades that I you know, they just I, they just don't communicate well. Maybe they've had sickness. Maybe they've had a stroke. So, But you could go find other people. You can find people in your groups, people, sponsors, loved ones, friends, uh, ladies for coffee. You know, you can go out with your buddies and, and find something that you all like to do together. Go work on your cars. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find people you can be free with. So this may not be your main relationship that it can be this healthy. But if you have two or three other healthy ones, then you've got safe places to go. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the application. When your needs are cons- consistently. consistently ignored or you are controlled, blamed, or violated, anger and bitterness are common. Hmm. Anger is safer than grieving the loss of hope of the hopes and dreams of this relationship. Yet you cannot live a healthy life grieving year after year. Living with a chronic irritation or chronically being irritated is draining. So what are you to do? Yeah, so I, I want to go back and talk about this anger. You know, having grown up with somebody who was explosively angry, um, that raged and went to violence, I was, you know, I just thought all oh, anger was bad. So I just was never angry. And of course, I ran from anything that was anger. And instead, there is healthy anger, yes. you know, and sometimes it needs to be expressed. So if I can have some healthy anger, now I can put up some boundaries. But instead of, I shut down that healthy anger part, and so I was pretty much a victim and pretty much stuck in grieving. And that wasn't healthy. That was just a sick except the other way. So make sure that you're not stuck in self-pity and grieving, but you actually have some healthy anger, you know, that's controlled. It doesn't puke on anybody else, but yeah. just you can journal about it. You know, man, I'm mad about that. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. And, and give yourself some validation. Okay, keep going, Josh. Take back portions of your heart ah take back your heart they trump on it take it back <laughs> a hardened heart makes life bitter a walled heart with windows and door and doors makes life protected and light and safe for others to come and go use your windows to determine the level of safety use your doors to invite others in and shut out unsafe people use your walls to give yourself protection and safe place to develop your own inner strength and personal stability oh that sounds like a relationship with me <laughs> me having a relationship with me yeah so if i don't like me i gotta change me yeah yeah so I, i've got to work on finding a safe place in my heart to love myself because you, you know right now i'm working on personally i'm working on um, the barriers to feeling loved and to receiving the love from others because you, you know they they don't have the maturity in their emotions they're happy go lucky and then they flip <laughs> and then yeah. there's somebody else and so when they're happy go lucky and they love me I'm still waiting for them to flip so I'm struggling with receiving their love yeah. instead of like okay they're just they're going to go to the two-year-old phase, you know, the ten-year-old phase. You know, it's okay. I can I can love them like I would love a child. I would yeah. never expect a child to have control of their emotions twenty-four hours a day. But it also would not feel like it was about me because he laid on the floor and threw a fit. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would just love them, and so I have adults in my life that flip me. And instead, what I feel like, I have just come to this realization that I need to realize that they still got childlike motions and just got to love them through it. Yeah. And that way, when they are being adult, 
I can feel their love and I can receive their love. Okay, keep going, Josh. If your functional loved one doesn't feel the need to be connected and it is not in your best interest to leave, build a wall around your heart. To stay or leave is not the question. The question is, can you accept this person the way they are without manipulating, fretting, or grieving and enjoy your life to the fullest with or without your participation? Give the people in your life freedom to to find their own path. The goal is a healthy, vibrant life for you. Stop your grieving, accept what is not within your power to change, and follow your own hopes and dreams. Wow, that's pretty empowering. Yeah. Yeah, so if I'm not focused on another person, now I can focus on healthy, vibrant me. Detachment means I can enjoy my day. I can be happy. It's okay if they're not happy. It's okay if they're struggling. I can move in and out of that relationship. I can be compassionate, uh, sympathetic, and then I can move back and I can, I can still enjoy my day. So let's go for the conclusion. Remain conscious of your detachment work, or you may detach from everyone and everything and be emotionally numb. This feels empty, isolating, and vulnerable. Dysfunctional detachment can be a survival skill learned because of unprocessed abuse and trauma and an unsafe environment. It can end up in pseudo-attachments to destructive people and behaviors like substance abuse to fill the emptiness. We often see this in teenagers who give their Alliance, allegiance allegiance to rebellious friends or destructive be, destructive habits they also may engage in high risk behaviors and become thrill seekers to attempt to feel again oh let's stop right there so sometimes you get so wounded you just don't feel nothing so then you go for drugs or high risk behaviors or acting out in some way just so you can have some ability to feel and if that's what you're doing there's some inner healing work that you need to be doing okay so today i want you to consciously detach from the places people emotions circumstances and traumas of the present and the past then i want you to intentionally attach to safe people safe place safe memories and realistic future hopes and dreams safe people are safe to love they will disappoint you. They will disappoint and let you down, but you will be safe to return to them and work out relationship problems with blame and anger. Enablers can have normal relationships that cause them suffering because of their overfocus on managing the attitudes and behaviors of others. If your functional relationships continue to make you suffer, explore your expectations and work on acceptance okay so radical acceptance if you're going to stay in a relationship with this person that's toxic Mm -hmm. don't try to fix manage and control them (laughs) don't try to consume and devour them and shift them and manipulate them just radical acceptance this is who they are this is what they how they act they end up back here every few weeks. It's okay. I don't have to indulge that. So I want you to know that attachment is a developmental emotional maturity skill needed to survive in a relationship with a person with substance use disorder. Detachment is needed to recover from my past abuse and my traumas. Detachment takes courage. Detachment means not being controlled by my emotions, but determining needed actions based upon logical reasoning. It is not passive, but purposeful. Detachment is stopping the chaos and confusion. Detachment 
from the vile leaves room for the precious. So detach from those things that are ugly, those things that are vile, and attach to the parts of that person that's precious. Okay, so emotional maturity review skills uh, is, is not accidentally developed. Here are some of the developmental emotional maturity skills that we have touched on in this book. Number one. Don't take abusive words as truth or internalize them. Number two. Separate your identity from irrational thinking. Number three. Learn your life lessons. Yep, otherwise you got to repeat them. Number four. <laughs> Be aware of false thinking patterns. Number five. Purposefully develop higher skill levels of love. Number six. Deal with your exaggerated emotions. Seven. Control your thinking. Eight. Detach from toxic people and circumstances. Nine. Practice contentment. So a blessing for you. May you find healing. May you find rest and peace. May you find hope in your recovery. May you trust your loved ones to find their own path in life. May you find courage to reclaim yourself and enjoy your day. And this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Mon. And this was The Rocker Recovery. If you want to hear us again, we're on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora under The Rocker Recovery.